going to invite you to go ahead and get open to Galatians chapter 5. We'll get there in just a moment. I just want to talking about faithfulness today and and um and ultimately this will all it's all about Jesus. It's all about his faithfulness. And just thinking over the last few weeks, Brad mentioned earlier about how busy it's been and it has been. And it's it ain't gonna calm down for a while. Thinking a few weeks ago we had the women's conference, which was amazing. So glad for all of the ladies of Lifehouse who got to go. And for those who didn't get to go, next year's coming. Go ahead and mark your calendar. Right? 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 Y'all gonna help me preach this or I'm just gonna stay right here, right? <laughs> right, Jeff? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kids Crusade a couple of weeks ago was incredible. Come on, raise your hand. I know there's not, but if, if you're, you or your child are part of that, yeah. So many awesome people who helped make that possible. Uh, Brooks Till was here last week, did a phenomenal job. Uh, every time I hear Brooks preach, I think, God, why didn't you make me more like Brooks? <laughs> I wish I could tell stories like that. That was great. Last Sunday, our fall festival uh, was fantastic. Over 500 people on the property. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Come on, you guys. Come on, praise God. Um, if you saw the equipment out here, we've been digging ditches this week at LifeHouse, fixing drains. Oh, isn't that so much fun? You know what is fun is when you have a need and because God is faithful and because people are faithful, you can pay for it, right? Praise the Lord for that. $16,000 and we can just write a check. And I'm just so grateful to the Lord. Six years ago, uh, I saw my Facebook memories this morning. Six years ago, my wife, my kids and I, we all took our last Sunday morning trip from Sweetwater where we were currently living at the time, uh, just south of here, to Oak Ridge that morning on a Sunday morning uh, because we were closing and moving into our house that week. and um, But I remember six years ago when we became the pastors, we met with a financial advisor who, uh, in his love for us, me and Kristen and my kids told us, you don't need to come here. He did. He said, you don't need to come to this church. He said, uh, you certainly do not need to buy a house in Oak Ridge, and you should call your boss, your old boss, and see if you can get your job back. Uh, because this situation is so bad. He said, he said, I would never, he's like, I can't, I can't in good conscience tell you to move forward with this decision. And, um, you know, he said, that's the practical side of me. The spiritual side of me says all things are possible to him who believes, right? Come on, you guys awake this morning? Yeah. And uh, I'm just so grateful that six years later, we can stand up here and we can pay for stuff and we can have church and God's been faithful and I bought a house and I live in it still and, and we're going to put a tree up today because it's time for Christmas, y'all. Yeah, I saw it on Facebook. I thought I felt the Lord in it. It said, it said, it said, Thanksgiving is a day, but Christmas is a season. Come on, somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost in that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so anyway, I, I want to say a few other things too, speaking of faithfulness, that we've ordered lights for our gym and we are in the process of finding equipment for our playground. We're going to redo all that. Yeah, praise God. And I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you give towards that. Some of you have already given. Thank you for that. Those of you who haven't yet, I just assume that you're still praying about it. I do, because I know the Lord wants you to be part of that. And so you can give, uh, you can give. In the offering, you can give online. Just market facility improvements. And then, uh, no, two Sundays from now, two Sundays from now, on November 19th, we are giving away 100 Thanksgiving baskets with turkey, all the food, all the stuff, all the, all the things inside of it. 
And so what we ask you to do, number one, is that if you can bring food next Sunday, you've got that list there. Brad's already talked about it. Please bring that next Sunday so that we can have that all put together. I would encourage you to go through that list. If you're like my wife, she does like pickup orders. Uh, maybe some of y'all like to go to the store. Just take that list with you. Buy the things on there. Bring it to church with you next Sunday. If you can't do that, or maybe you want to do that and you want to give, uh, we kind of did the math, and it's right around, right around 45 bucks for a full basket. That includes the turkey and everything. And we'll be giving those away to people, some in our church, many in our community, next, uh, or excuse me, no, two Sundays from today, November 19th. And you can mark that. If you give towards that, you can mark that back to life. You guys good? You guys excited? You guys rested? Not only did you get an extra hour of sleep, you came to the 11 a.m. service, which didn't start till 11.15 because Don preached too long first service. Right? Oh, no, okay. You guys ready to get in the Word? All right, let's stand. Let's get in the Word together. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. Paul writes the church, and he says, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You ever been there before? You ever know what you should do? And in your heart of hearts, you want to do that, but in practice, that ain't what happens. Like, I don't want to lose my temper. Can I get a witness in the house today? Right? Michelle, you're feeling the Lord right now, aren't you? Yeah. Josh said, come to the altar right now. I don't want to lose my temper. I know I don't want to lose it. God doesn't, God, you know, one of the lusts of the flesh is anger. I don't want to be angry. I want to be loving and kind and gentle. But sometimes we still revert back to that old way of life. He says, the way that you avoid that, Michelle, this is for me and you. It's not by not, it's not by trying really hard to not get angry. It's by being filled and being led by the Holy Spirit at all times. He says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, I warned you, as I warned you before, that when you do this stuff, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He says, but, everybody say, but. The fruit of the Spirit or the evidence in your life of being filled and led by the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, there's no law. You can be as loving as you want to be and God's never going to be like, Michelle, you're just too loving. I need you to calm down with all the love, right? Right? Josh, you can be as patient as you, as Michelle wants you to be <laughs> with her anger. I don't know. <laughs> this just got off track. And the Lord's never going to say, Josh, you're so patient. It's just too much. I can't handle any more. You got to stop being so patient. Eli, you can be so gentle. And the Lord's never going to be like, you're just too gentle. You're just, you're just, you're just too, you're, obviously, so joy-filled. <laughs> there it is. There's the laughter. Love it. And the Lord's never going to be like, you got to stop being so joy-filled. 
Chad, you're never going to be so full of peace that the Lord is going to be like, Chad, how are you not worried about this, right? Against these things, there is no law. You can have as much of it as you can handle. In fact, I think for most of us, we can have a lot more of it than we are currently handling. Amen? So let's pray. Let's get into the Word, and let's have fun. Father, we thank you so much for the Holy Spirit who lives in us and lives through us. And as we discuss the fruit of faithfulness, that you would enable us to receive the faithfulness, God, that you have for each one of us. But more than even that, that you would help us to recognize in a way like we have never seen before just how faithful, how dependable, how trustworthy, how worthy of our faith you are. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Lifehouse. Can we celebrate the Lord one more time as you're being seated? Amen. 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 Well, the, when the fruit that comes by walking by the Spirit is produced in our lives, that is when we really are who God made us to be. That is when we are most like the person God created us to be. And the reason why I say that is I think a lot of us deal with maybe an imposter syndrome where we think when we're doing right, when we're being patient, when we're being kind, when we're being loving, and we're not giving in to the works of the flesh, anger or jealousy or lust or something like that, I think for many of us, we actually think that's not who we really are, that that's the person that we're trying to be. But I want to remind you today that when you are led by the Spirit, that's when you are most who God made you to be. Jesus talks about in John 15 how he is the, brine, the vine and we are the brine, the brine, the turkey brine's coming up, guys. Got that on my mind. Feel the Lord, all right. He is the vine, we are the branches. And he says, apart from me, you can't do anything. Now, what does he mean? He doesn't mean you can't do anything. Of course you can do something. You just can't do anything worth anything. You can't do stuff that matters. You can't do stuff of eternal significance. Apart from me, you can't love the way he made you to love. Apart from me, you can't have the peace that Jesus uh, made you to have, right? And so when we are being led by the Spirit, when we are connected to Jesus, the source of life, that is you being most who God made you to be. Now, when you give in to temptation and when you fall to the traps of the flesh and you fall to the trap of anger or lust or pride or whatever it may be, pick your poison. I know that may, you, you may have a lot of history with anger, but can I tell you, that's not who you are. You may have a lot of history with pride or jealousy or lust, but that's not who you are. That's who you became when sin had its way in your life. But, but Paul said that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that because of Christ, we are a new creation. We have been remade according to his specifications, right? And his specifications say, no, 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 no. This person, this man of God or this woman of God, no, no, they don't give in to the flesh. They're, they don't give in to these temptations or to these sins. No, they are full of love. No, 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 no. You see, Anita, she, she used to be this way, but now because of the Holy Spirit, she's full of joy. You see, Iona, because, you know, yeah, before Jesus had his way in her life, she may have been this way. But now she's got peace that passes understanding because she's been remade in the image of Christ. 
And that was the way we were all originally made. Going back to Genesis 1 and 2, we were made to live in perfect fellowship with Jesus. Perfect fellowship with God, right? But Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the picture. And when sin enters the picture, that relationship is destroyed. It dies. It, it, is, it is marred. It is ended. And so the reason why I'm saying all that is I want you to embrace today, at least in part, your, your identity in Christ. You are a person who is able to love the way God has loved you. You, you have joy today. You say, Pastor, I don't feel very joyful today. Well, at some point in time in your life, you have to choose to believe by faith what you don't feel in the flesh. You just have to make that decision. Either, either you make that decision and you grow into more and more the person Jesus has remade you to be, or you stay where you are. And I don't know about you, but I've, I don't, I'm tired of just camping out with satisfactory Christian living. You guys with me this morning? And so, so, so you, may, you, you may say, I don't feel very joyful today. Well, who, who cares? And I, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I don't mean that harshly. I don't mean that hatefully. I just mean that what you feel doesn't necessarily have to define who you are. I've said this a hundred times from this platform, if not more, that if I lived my life based on my feelings alone, I would ruin my life. I would not get up in the morning. I would eat every one of those Christmas tree cakes sitting right over there by my wife, which may or may not happen later today anyway. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? If I did what I felt like, always felt like doing, how many of you would say it with me? I would ruin my life. I would ruin my relationships. I would ruin my body. I would ruin my mind. It's because I don't always feel like doing them. Today, you can have joy, not because you feel joy, but because he's the source of joy, and you're connected to the source, right? You can have peace today, because, not because your life doesn't have problems. Raise your hand if you have no issues, no problems, and everything is perfect in your life right now. Go ahead, Kristen, raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, none of us, right? But we can have peace today, not because we don't have problems. We can have peace today, but because we do have Jesus, right? And today, we can be faithful, men and women of God, not because we are so dependable, not because we work so hard at keeping our word, but because we are connected to the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. Come on, I think that's worth a, a praise right there. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, he says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Skip on down to verse 6. He says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why is it impossible to please God without faith? Because it takes faith to know God, to trust God, to depend on God. He says, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It doesn't say he rewards those who believe in him. So to point that out as a little side sermon for the day, he rewards those who seek him. Now, speaking of faith, uh, there may be more, but today I want to teach on and give you some ideas on the three different types of faith. Like I said, maybe there's more, but for today, three types of faith. You guys with me? You guys ready to take some notes? I got some stuff worth writing down today. Um, I, think, I think if you write this stuff down, some of this you may go back to later. Remember, meditate on it, pray through it. Maybe even look it up in the Bible and fact check me and come back to me and tell me how I was wrong. I, I would actually invite that because I would be like, yes, you read their Bible, great. I should do that one day, just preach absolute heresy and see if anybody catches it. 
on purpose. I've done it on accident many times. <laughs> yeah. Brad says, I can't do it. Sorry. Okay. Three types of faith. The first type of faith is the gift of faith. Everybody say that. The gift of faith. And the gift of faith is a gift of the Spirit. Now, we're talking in this series about the fruit of the Spirit. Hopefully, you guys aren't tired of this yet. I know we've gone on for a while. But, um, but we're talking in this series about the fruit of the Spirit. But the gift of faith is a gift of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit are different than fruit of the Spirit. Everyone can produce, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. But how many of you know that we do not all produce, or all rather, we're not all given the same gifts of the Spirit? The gifts of the Spirit can be different uh, depending on giftings, or anointings, or callings, or just because the Lord saw fit to, to give someone that gifting, you know? Uh, and the gift of faith is, a, is, is God imparting you with supernatural faith in a situation of need. Um, I can tell you that as a general rule of thumb, I do not operate in the gift of faith. I don't. I don't. Uh, but there have been times in my life where the Lord has given me a special gifting to believe for the impossible, even though what I saw in, my, in front of me seemed like it would never work out, like it would never happen. And the Lord gave me the gift of faith to believe Him, to trust Him, and, and, and to have faith in Him. Anybody ever been there before? Uh, I, I don't operate in that all the time. In fact, I operate, if I had a gift in that world, it would almost be the gift of doubt. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the flesh, you know, and that, that's being crucified with Christ, right? You know, and so, uh, but that's the gift of faith, a supernatural faith imparted to us uh, during a time of need. And then there is the life of faith. The life of faith is the faith that we all need just to follow Jesus as disciples of Christ. And the life of faith is based on a permanently progressive, personal relationship with God that supplies both the want to and the how to. Or let me say it like this. It supplies both the motivation and the power to live an authentic Christian life. That's what the life of faith gives us. It gives us, or, or rather it's based on, I, I, I feel like... I worked hard to make all these start with peace, so I hope you appreciate that. A permanently progressing, personal, permanent, because I've made up my mind. Listen, you will never be all that God has called you to be if this life of faith is still in the balances for you. At some point in time, I want to encourage you, if you have not already done so, you just have to make up your mind. Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life no matter what. I will trust him. I will follow him. And like we sang earlier, even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it, even, even if the world around me is falling apart, even if, even if everything that I thought I could trust has, has forsaken me and has failed me, 
that I will continue to put my faith. It's permanent. You can't talk me out of it. Science can't come up with something that will argue me out of it. You can't prove something to me philosophically that will talk me out of it. You, you, nothing you can say, nothing that can happen to me can, can separate me from this faith that I hold dear in Jesus Christ. It's got to be permanent. And, and then until you make that decision, whether you're 4, 40, or 400 years old, whatever, you will never, you, you cannot become who God has called you to be. And you cannot enjoy all the benefits of that relationship with Him until you make that decision. You just have to settle it in your heart. It's a permanent relationship. It's progressing. It's progressing in that, you know, today is November, uh, uh, November 5th. And, and my hope and my prayer is that on November 5th, 2023, that, that I am closer in relationship to Jesus than I was on November 4th, 2023, right? And then November 5th, 2024, and unless I am with him in his presence face to face, and at that point, I don't need faith anymore because I'm with him, right? But in November 5th, 2024, it's progressing. So hopefully in a year from now, my relationship with him will have grown and I will be closer to him. I'll be more in love with him. I will be more knowledgeable of his presence. I will be more passionate to share his word than I am on November 5th, 2023. Amen. Come on. I love to say, and I'm not who I want to be, but praise God, I'm not who I used to be. Amen. It's permanent. It's progressing. And it's personal. It's personal. It's personal in that my, my faith in God cannot be built off of secondhand information. It can only be built off of firsthand encounter. My faith in God cannot be built off what a pastor's taught me, what a theology uh, teacher's taught me, what a book's taught me. My faith in God has to be based off of a first-hand encounter with Jesus. It can't be based off what your parents had taught you. And even for my own children, I tell them, you can't, your faith in Jesus has to be your faith in Jesus. It can't be your mom's and I's faith in Jesus. It has to be your faith in Jesus. It has to be personal, a permanent, progressively growing personal relationship with God that gives me the motivation. Motivation is, is a fancy word for the, for the want to. Have any of you ever wished that you wanted to do the right thing sometimes? You ever been there? I've been there. That, that in, you know, I, there's a situation and I know what to do and I want to want to do that. But I want to do the other thing way more, right? You ever been there? Well, but when we commit to a life of faith, the Lord tells us in, in Philippians 2.13 that he gives us the want to and the power to. That's what Paul writes. God is working in you. Praise God for that, right? Aren't you thankful that, that for, for, you, for God, you are not a hands-off project? That you are a hands-on project that at no point in your life and no point will it ever happen does God look at you and say, you know what, Jarek, I just don't know what to do. I'm just, just Jarek's looking at me like, I don't know what this guy's saying. <laughs> but, but for the rest of your life, until you see him face to face, Jarek, the Lord will always say, Jarek, uh, I want to be involved with your life. He's a hands-on God. Amen. Right? God is working in you, giving you both the desire, the want to, the, the, and, and like we need that, right? And the power. That's the how-to. That's the what I need, the tools that I need to do what pleases 
him. Come on. You guys with me? So that's the life of faith. And then the fruit of faith. The fruit of faith, the third type of faith, is an aspect of our character which reflects the aspect of God's own character, of faithfulness. And it must be cultivated in our life. Hebrews 11.1, 1, again, it says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. Um, I, I wrote a little definition just to help us understand that further. Uh, faith is continually learning to depend on God in every situation and circumstance more and more and more every day until I see him face to face. Again, because when I see him face to face, I don't need faith, right? I don't need hope anymore. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, faith, hope, and love, these will always exist, but the greatest of these is love. Why? Because when I see him face to face, I don't need faith anymore because I see everything that I've ever believed in, and it's here now. I don't need to, I don't need to hope anymore for one day when that day's arrived, but love will still exist, right? And so, so until I see him face to face, face to face, faith is continually learning and growing in my dependence on God in every situation and every circumstance more and more every day. It's progressive, right? More and more every, every day. The fruit of faith, it doesn't panic. Sometimes I panic, but the fruit of faith that the Lord is working in me and through me, it doesn't panic. I, hopefully in a year, I, I will be less prone to panic than I am today. As much as I am less prone to panic today than I was five years ago. Amen? Again, thank God I'm not where I used to be, even though I'm not where I want to be yet, right? Uh, faith doesn't get flustered. Uh, the fruit of faith, it doesn't consider giving up. Why? Why doesn't it panic? Why doesn't it get flustered? Why doesn't it give up? Go back to what Paul told the church at Rome. You guys with me? I know I'm kind of just hitting the ground running. All right. Paul told the church at Rome in Romans 8.28, one of like our most quoted scriptures in the Bible, right? We love this scripture. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, right? Praise the Lord. It's a great verse. It's a great, great verse to memorize. It's a great verse to, to you know, post on Facebook. It's a great verse to, uh, to call your life verse, right? Uh, it says, for those who love God and are living within his purpose. And I want to ask you real quick. Is that you? Because a lot of people, they quote this verse, and they say they love God, but do they? Does their life reflect that? Does their life reflect his purposes, or rather, does their life reflect their own purposes? Because that's, the, I mean, that's the condition, right? I'm, I'm not trying to be discouraging here. I'm just trying to remind us that we can plant our life on this verse, as long as our life is planted in him. Right? And so he says, for those who love God and are called or are living according to his purposes, not just those, not just people who wear a Christian label or wear a Christian t-shirt or wear the or put the Christian bumper sticker on their car, but people who have given their life to Jesus. He's not just Savior, he's also Lord. He says, for those people, for those of us, we no, and I love that two-word phrase because you know what it doesn't says. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. We hope. 
or, or, or we guess. Paul says, we know all things, good things, bad things, wonderful things, tragic things, terrible things, amazing things. All things work together for good. Now, Avery, if, if God told you, if God, if God just came down from heaven and was standing right in front of you, like, and he said, Avery, for the don't smile. He said, Avery, listen, how old are you right now, Avery? 15. That's a good age. I was 15 when I became a Christian. He said, Avery, you're 15 years old right now. It seems like forever ago. You're 15 years old. I just want to tell you something. For the rest of your life, as long as your life belongs to me, good things will happen to you, bad things will happen to you. You will fail. Other people will fail you. But you can all, I'm talking God has appeared to you. And he's standing in front of you. And you know it's God. You know it's the same God who made you, the same God who made Jupiter, the same God who died for you on the cross. It's looking at you eye to eye. And he's telling you, Avery, for the rest of your life, you can always be confident that no matter what happens, good, bad, or indifferent, that I am always at work. Even when you can't see it, even when you don't feel it, even when it looks dark, you can be confident that I am always at work. And even when you don't see it, you can know that you know that you know in the deepest part of your heart that I am working behind the scenes to bring good even out of the most difficult situations. How many of you would like that? I would like that. Well, guess what? He did that. He did that. He, come, give it up for Amy. Yeah. His name is Emmanuel. His name means God with us. He, he, he promises us in his word that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And the reason why we forget that promise, can I just be real with you? Because of someone who has forgotten that promise more times than I would care to tell you about. The reason why we forget that promise is because we don't spend time in his presence. And we don't spend time in his presence, we forget who he is. And when we forget who he is, we forget what he said. And when we forget what he said, we start to panic. And we start to get fearful. And we start to get afraid. Because we forget where our faith is, is resting. Come on, can you give God praise? <clears throat> you see, because of this promise, we never have any reason but to trust God but to depend on God, but to have faith in God, God who is always faithful. The reason why faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit is because He is faithful and He is the Spirit. And so when we are filled with the Spirit, we display the attributes of God, right? The reason why love is a fruit of the Spirit is because He is love. The reason why peace is a fruit of the Spirit is because He is the Prince of Peace. The reason why faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit is because He is always faithful. He's always faithful. Faithfulness, I mean, if I'm going to use another word to define it, is, would be dependable. Be dependable. Being the type of person that other people and God can depend on, Right? When you get a planning center request, what do you do? You accept it. Click the green. Yeah. Yeah. And then you show up, right? You don't just click the green and then ghost us, right? Yeah. Oh, somebody else take care of nursery today. I ain't worried about that. I got fish to catch or something. I don't know. Can't tell you the last time. Is that that funny? I'm trying to preach over here. You're distracting me. 
Again, one truth stated over and over again throughout Scripture, God is faithful. Again, the reason, the reason why faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit is because God, who is the Spirit, who fills us, is faithful, right? So the fruit of faithfulness, faithfulness in our lives is allowing God to work in us and through us who he is. I hope that makes sense. And so this takes work. I, I, another word that I would like to use instead of work is cultivating, right? Because, you know, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in Mississippi, and, and it was a little warmer there in the summers, especially, and in the winters, too. And, and we had an orchard. We had plum trees, pear trees. Um, that's, that's all I can remember. And, and so that fruit would grow, right? I, there was more, but I can't remember. It's irrelevant. That fruit would grow. But if we, did not, if we did not take time to prune the trees, if we did not take time to take care of the ground around the orchard, if we did not take time to go and pick the fruit, the fruit would just fall to the ground and rot and be wasted. And so even though the Holy Spirit is producing this fruit in our lives, we have to work to cultivate and to take care of the work that God is doing in us and through us. Uh, and, and I would say the best way we can cultivate the fruit of faithfulness is to start small, to start, to, to pay attention to the small things. Jesus says in Luke 16, he says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large things. He says, if you're, but, but if you're dishonest or unfaithful in the small stuff, then, then you won't be faithful with the big stuff. In other words, what Jesus is saying is how you handle the small things says more about you as a person than how you handle the big things, right? To, to me, if now, don't get offended if this is you, but, but do get convicted. If you are the type of person that leaves a shopping cart, forgive me, I'm from Mississippi. If you are the type of person that leaves a buggy in the parking lot, and you do not put it in the stall, then Jesus is talking about you, and you need to get saved and start putting that shopping cart back, right? Yeah. How you handle the small things says more about you as a person than how you handle the big things. In other words, the things that other people don't count, that's the only stuff that God does seem to count. I'm going to say that again. The, the stuff that, that other people don't seem to count, that seems to be the primary stuff that God does count. Every 15 years old, great, great age. I was, like I said, I was 15 when I became a Christian. Is it scary when I walk down here, call you out like this? We've been hanging out during the week, so I feel a little closer to Avery than he's probably comfortable with. <laughs> I was 15 years old when I became a Christian. I, I went to a church, I got invited, and uh, I was cutting grass on the side of the road, go to the church that night went to an altar spot right, right over on that side of the stage, right below a keyboard where the pastor w was playing at the end of service. He, uh, he played keyboard, and, and, um, and I was praying right there, and he was, he was coaching me through the sinner's prayer while he was playing keys during the altar call, and I gave my life to Jesus. And it was a radical transformation. I walked in one person, I walked out a completely different person. Very radical, very, like... It was in that moment, any doubts I had about God's existence began to disappear because of the internal transformation that took place in my heart it was so dramatic. It was so, I was completely, I was a new creation, right? 
And so I get up and I, and, I, and I tell my pastor, his name was Brother Brett. Literally, I walk up the platform and he's still over there. And I tell him, Brother Brett, I want to do what you do. I want to be a preacher. I didn't even know what the word pastor was. It was just everybody had preachers, right? Every churches had preachers. And so I want to be a preacher. And he said, okay, all right. So we talked the next day. You know, I'm kind of, this is a long time ago. So if my details aren't right, my heart's right at least, okay? We talked the next day and he says, all right, you want to be a preacher? I said, yes, sir. I want to be a preacher. How many of you know that he didn't invite me to preach the next Sunday morning? Right? He didn't say, all right, here's the microphone. Go for it, man. Let her rip, Tater Chip. Like, he didn't do that. He did say, let's go to the mall next week. We're going to buy you a suit. So we went down to the, to the Dillard's in Jackson, Mississippi, and we bought a suit. He bought, he bought it for me. It, it wasn't really a suit. It was the Mississippi dress code for funerals and weddings. It was khakis, a white button-down shirt, and a sports coat. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? She knows what I'm talking about. And I got, I got some dress shoes, too, and I got two or three different ties. Because the way it works is you've got to wear the same suit every week because you only got one suit, but you wear a different tie. It looks like a whole different outfit, right? And so, so I'm thinking, yeah, we know, man, we know. It's old school. This is before Canadian tuxedos were Sunday morning acceptable. Yeah. And, and so, so I'm thinking, like, he's going to get me to preach sometime. He didn't. He said, here's what I want you to do. You're going to start getting to church early. You're going to walk in, and, and you're going to turn the lights on. And you're going to make sure the thermostat's right. You're going to turn the sound system on. You're going to get some praise and worship music playing because we had a six-disc CD changer back there. And right, right, yeah. And so we had some Gaither band stuff, and some of y'all don't know, and, and some, you know, what, some other stuff too. And, and so that was my job, right? It, and the the, the six-disc CD changer was a really big upgrade from the tape deck. And, and so, so that was my job. You know, I started music at 8 o'clock in the morning. Church didn't start till 10, okay? And so 8 o'clock in the morning, I show up before he's even there. I got a key to the church. Can I tell you how big of a deal I felt when I had a key to the church? And I could just go whenever I wanted to. And I did. I would go all the time and just sit around there. Because I thought, I love the place, right? It was so cool. It was, this place changed my life. I loved it. Rocky Hill Church of God, man. 10685 Road 101, Union, Mississippi, 378. 365, go send them a note. Tell them how thankful you are for your pastor. <laughs> I love that place. I would show up, turn the lights on, and, and he told me, he's like, when you get here, he said, when you get to church, he said, you walk around. We have pews, red carpet with pews with red carpet. <laughs> and you pray, and you walk around and you pray. I can take more time this service and elaborate on this. I was rushed in second service, or first service. And he says, at 9 o'clock, after you've done all that, you open the front doors. And there was a little walk-in, smaller than ours. And he said, you stand there. And the bulletins, they were already printed off. I think his wife had printed them earlier that week. And he says, when people walk up, you give them a bulletin. And you shake their hand. And you tell them, thank you for coming to church today. And so I did that from 15 years old to 18 years old until I went over. So I went to school, so I went to college. I did get to preach a few times, but that's where I started. And I, like, I wish I could tell you it's because I'm so faithful. It's, honestly, it's just because I love that man and I love that church and I love what God was doing. And I wanted to be there and I showed up. I didn't miss a Sunday. I was faithful to the house. I was faithful 
to the Lord so much in those early years, not because I knew anything about faithfulness. I was faithful to the Lord so much because I was so in love with this God who had done so much for me. And that, that's how faithfulness to the Lord. And if you're faithful to the Lord, you understand, you'll be dependable to people. Right? But that's where that fruit is produced in a supernatural way in your life. Not because you work so hard to to be dependable or to be faithful, but because you realize how much he's done for you. And and, and there is the the natural, Paul says in Romans 12, let me just read it. Let me just read this. I don't want to mess this up. He says, you guys okay? We're off script. Sorry. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your, it's kind of a tricky translation. Some translations say your spiritual service. Other translations, the King James says, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it just makes good sense to give everything you have to the Lord because the Lord has given you everything you have. And, 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 and so I just want to encourage you today that the way you cultivate faithfulness in your life is not by working really hard to be a good man or to be a good woman or to be faithful or to be truthful or to be dependable, but rather it is to be reminded of how good your God has been to you. Uh, there's a story. Uh, let me read this. Let me, let me just tell the story. Peter and Jesus and the disciples are talking and Peter, or excuse me, Jesus is about to be crucified and And Jesus starts to tell the disciples, he's like, you all going to leave me. You all leave me. And Peter, you remember this, Jeff? Peter says, Jesus, I'll go to prison with you if I have to go to prison with you. Even even if I have to be killed with you, I'll, I'll die with you. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, Satan has sought to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Come on, that's a good prayer. I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. He says, before the rooster crows in the morning, you'll deny me three times. Before before the sun comes up, you'll deny me three times. And Peter's like, nah, you're crazy. I would never, I would never. And guess what? He denies him three times. You got to think, how did Peter feel about that, about himself? You know, when we sin, one of two things happens in our lives. We either respond with shame or we respond with repentance in Genesis chapter 3 Adam and Eve they sin because they eat of the fruit that God said if you eat of this you will surely die right what motivated them to sin the motivation to sin was they thought they were missing out on something the serpent speaks to them and he says if you eat of this fruit you won't die in fact if you eat of this fruit you'll be like God the thing is that they were already like God if you go read Genesis chapter 1 In chapter 2, they were already created in the likeness and image of God. The motivation of sin behind every single one of us is we feel like if we don't do it, we're going to miss something good, right? And and faithfulness or depending on God's faithfulness, having faith in God says, I know that even if I miss out on this, 
God is faithful to give me everything I need and everything I want for that matter, right? So faithfulness is an antidote to sin. I'm kind of off script, sorry. Just in this together at this point. So Adam and Eve sin, what do they do? Come on, tell me. They hide. They hide. They hide because they realize they're naked, right? They hide. God's walking through the garden, says, Adam, where you at? Adam says, here I am. Sorry, we hid. Thought, realized didn't have no clothes on, God. It was kind of indecent. And God says, who told you you were naked? In other words, what he's saying is, who told you you had shame? Who did? It was sin. Sin's who told him he had shame. Peter sins, and he gives us the alternative and superior response to when we sin. Repentance. He's out fishing. Jesus has risen from the grave, but it's, real, it's a really weird time. They're kind of not real sure what's going on. They'd seen the empty tomb, but they really hadn't spent a whole lot of time with Jesus. This is recorded in John's gospel. Peter and John are fishing, and they see a guy on the seashore cooking breakfast. And the guy says, hey, y'all hungry? Paraphrasing. This is the new living Drew version of the Bible, right? Come get some food. And, and Peter says, that's, that looks like Jesus. I think that's Jesus. Now, he had, a, he had a choice to make. The choice was, do I allow my response to Jesus' presence to be dictated by the shame that I feel because of the sin that I committed? Or do I go to him? And, and he doesn't walk to Jesus. He swims to Jesus because he's in the middle of the sea, right? He jumps off the boat. He swims to Jesus. If you go read it in John, it, it, I don't even know if he had clothes on. I guess they were hot out there. I don't know. Like It's, it's kind of awkward, but it's also funny, but it's also true, right? He jumps into the water. He swims to Jesus. If he's got anything on, it's just underwear, right? And, and, and he goes straight to where Jesus is. And then Jesus has this conversation with Peter about even though he denied him, now Jesus is saying, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to use you. You're going you're to help build the church. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to help establish this thing. And three different times he asked him, do you love me, Peter? And every time Peter says, I do love you. And the question is, why did he ask him three times? Well, it's because he had denied him three times. And, and Jesus didn't need convincing that Peter loved him, but Peter needed convincing that Peter loved him. And so Jesus meets Peter where he is, right? He comes to him, and in, in his shame, in his nakedness, right? Just like Adam and Eve. Come on, y'all don't see it. This is how I read the Bible. It's so cool. And, 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 and Jesus establishes him. He reminds him, hey, I prayed for you. You stumbled, but you didn't fall. And Peter learned something that day that Paul, decades later, would write to another pastor, a young guy named Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Timothy, even when you fall short, he bridges the gap. Even, even when you stumble, he slows down and reaches back. Even when you fail, he picks you up and dusts you off. 
even when you are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Why does he remain faithful? Because he can't deny who he is. He isn't faithful to you because he's chosen to be faithful. He's faithful to you because faithfulness comes from him. Does that make sense? It's just who he is. It's just what he does. Even when you are faithless, he remains faithful because that's the kind of God that we have. Will you stand with me? People will fail you. Your spouse will fail you. Husband will fail you. Your wife will fail you. Children will fail you. Your parents will fail you. Your friends will fail you. Your church will fail you. Your pastor will fail you. Siblings will fail you. Cousins and friends and family members will fail you. Systems will fail you. The government will fail you. The economy will fail you. Even hospitals and doctors and nurses will fail you. Dentists will fail you. Your body will fail you. Police officers will fail you. Firefighters will fail you. Your health will fail you. Your hair will fail you. Hold on. (laughs) Teachers will fail you. Famous people will fail you. Athletes that you look up to will fail you. Or teams that you depend on will fail you. Go Vols. Go Ole Miss. Right? Your job will fail you. Your boss will fail you. Your coworkers will fail you. Your home will fail you. Your roof will fail you. Your washing machine will fail you. We've been married 16 years and had four washing machines. We gotta fail. we gotta do something. And microwaves, yeah. Your microwave will fail you. Same house, four microwaves. A lot of popcorn going on, I guess. Your car will fail you. Your brakes will fail you. Hopefully not in a moment of dire need, but they will go out a little bit. Your tires will go bald. Brings me back to the hair part, but tires will fail you. Alternators will fail you. Transmissions will fail you. I mean, there is nothing in this world that will always work, that will always be consistent, that will always do what it was created to do or designed to do. Nothing, nothing but God. He, he doesn't have a bad day. Listen, I can come here on a Sunday and not got a lot of sleep and, and, and be cranky and, and I might be off, right? I might not be submitted to the Holy Spirit the way I need to be and, and, I, and, I might, and I just might not be where I need to be and the worship team might, the sound just might not be working and the worship team is tired and, and, and the church service itself just might not be great and the church service may fail you but how many of you are mature enough in the Lord to understand that Even if the church fails, even if the pastor fails, even if the the people that you've looked up to fail you, he will never fail you. You can always put your trust in him. You can always depend on him. You can always put your faith in him because he is faithful. That's what it means that, that, that we put our faith in God 
Because God is faithful. Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations. He said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He says, his mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This made a song come to my mind. It's funny enough, it wasn't Great is Thy Faithfulness, which is another great one. But this song was written in 1834. It's been redone many, many different times. I won't sing it, but I do want to read you the lyrics. It says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. He says, I, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils or covers his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood, they support me in the overwhelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found. In him my righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Today, if, if this isn't you want to become a Christian, but if you do, then that's great. If you want to become a follower of Jesus, but, but maybe today you have considered yourself a Christian, and rightfully so, you are. But you know in your heart your faith has not been holy upon him. That your faith has still resided somewhat in your own ability to do for yourself, in your own finances, in your own health, in your own intellect, in your own wisdom, in your own way. But you would say, you know what? I can't trust myself. I can't trust the systems of this world. But I can trust in Him. I can put my whole faith in Him. And He is strong enough to carry that load. And maybe today you would say, Pastor, when you pray, would you pray for me that I would put all my faith permanently, progressively, and personally in the one who is always faithful? Would you lift your hand if that's for you this morning? Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would touch and move and minister to these men and these women, that you would remind them of how good you are, of how caring and kind and gentle you are, and of how faithful you always are, and that our faith can always rest in you. Because God, you may not always come through the way we would have designed it, but Lord, you will never let us down. You work all things together for the good. And God, we put our faith in you.